Gaming and BS episode 138. Welcome to Gaming NBS, a tabletop RPG podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I am Brett. Welcome to the show. Welcome back if you've been with us before. Glad to have you here again. All right. This episode of Gaming NBS sponsored to you. Sponsored to you? Sponsored by GameholeCon.com. A gaming convention occurring in Madison, Wisconsin, the first weekend of November. Get your ass to GameholeCon. Visit GameholeCon.com for more information. We, speaking of GameholeCon, have VC is running an Alpha Omega game. Looks like he's registered that under our banner. So uh, if you find out and you're going through the event listing when it opens up to you when you're attending, you may want to check him out and his info on there. I don't know if you can see the event's details yet. I don't know sure. if you can or not. I know Forrest Gary was looking to do something under our banner as well, so good old Forrest probably has something out there too, if not something coming. You know, and speaking of that, Sean and I, we you know, put the call out there last time, but you know, just to be clear, it's always good for Sean and I to know what you want to run under our banner so we can say, hey, this is cool, it's great, <clears throat> we want to make sure you, we promote you, um, and we can get people to show up at your game. So anything you want to do, let us know. And uh, we'd love to be able to uh, help, you know, push people and tell them how uh, cool your event will be and all that good stuff. So get a hold of us. Let us know if you're interested in doing it and uh, what you'd like to run. Because, again, that's just, uh, it's fun. Yes. Announcements. Yeah, well, announce other than what we just talked about for um, running things under Game Hulkon. Um I've mentioned this last show and just want to call it out again. I'm going to be at Origins in June. So I'll be there. Uh, San Sean, trying to decide if I'm going to ride the motorcycle down or if I'm just going to carpool with uh, Kevin and Austin. We shall see. But anyway, I will be there in June. If there's any listeners out there, it would be great to meet people, have a beer, talk gaming, and all that good stuff. So that will be fun. I think if I did go, yeah, I would. Uh, I would ride bike. I. It's June. It's really. Temp- I, it's really tempting. I would take rain gear. And I would be miserable if I had a weekend full of wet, but I got to put some miles on that sucker. Yeah, you just, and so for those of you who aren't aware of the incredibly shitty weather that happened in Wisconsin, Uh, I am am tying it directly back to Sean's purchase. He bought a, yes, Sean had a uh, Harley Sportster, which if you don't know bikes, sorry, tune out for a second, but he had a sporty. Then he and the wife talked it over and the wife convinced him, you know what you need? You know what you need, baby? You need a bigger touring bike. Sean finds himself a kick-ass street glide. He's going to go get that sucker. He picks it up. It fucking snows. <laughs> it fucking snowed the day after he got it. I shit you not. I actually rode that sucker. I picked it on, uh, up on Madison's west side. Uh, for all the those of you that don't know, that doesn't mean much to you. But basically, it's about on the opposite side of town from where I live, which is probably about 15 miles, maybe. But it didn't rain the day I picked it up. I I drove it. My wife was getting her hair done in another town, which I get to drive ride to, and I didn't get dumped on. And the thing is, Brett and I know, and if you've ridden motorcycle before, getting dumped on in rain is one thing. Getting dumped on in rain and having it be 45 degrees 
sucks. Yeah, um, when I was younger and stupid, I got caught in snow once. I will never, ever do that again. Snow. <laughs> yeah, when ice when the ice crystals are hitting your face at like 60 miles an hour, you start to question every stupid decision you've ever made that drove you to this point. That is a bad, bad idea. Never doing that again. So, Any- anyway. if, if anybody hears this like a year from now, I will not have my Sportster, hopefully, because I'll be selling it. But if you hear this in the next week, we're recording this. May what is it? May first? What day? April thirtieth. April thirtieth. April thirtieth. Twenty seventeen. I'm gonna put my bike, uh, my Sportster, up on Craigslist. I can't ship it to you, and if I do ship it to you, you're gonna have to pay for the cost. But if you're local and you want a affordable uh, scooter to get around town, email me at gamingandbs at gmail dot com. Sean, Sean needs to offset need... the cost of the other one. He just bought some, please, buy his, <laughs> buy his old bike. Yeah. Anyways, All enough right. of bike, bike talk. Bike talk. Bike talk with Brett and Sean. The next, <clears throat> this is kind of cool. So as folks know, uh, Jason Hobbs, friend of the show, supporter, great guy, all-around cool dude. And uh, yes, yes, yes. <clears throat> and Mr. Hobbs has Hobbs and Friends of the OSR. He's got his own little podcast cooking, which is a pretty damn bit of fun. Sean beat me to the podcast, by the way. So he got to the podcast to be a guest on there before I did. Son of a bitch. Scott Hubs invited Scott Hubs. me over there. And, he did. It's pretty uh, cool. It good times. It's a good episode. I don't wonder if it was the one that they submitted for an any. It probably is. I think if any, if I was going to submit an any, I would pick the one that you were on, just because it just proves you can last, you can handle it without me. That's what it does. Although the Hoff has been on there twice now, Eric Hoff. Uh, that's true. You got this. You're, you're fighting the Storm Lord, man, and I. I, I've met the Storm Lord. Yeah, good luck, Sean. He's <sighs> got street cred, that guy. He totally does. And, he, and he's pretty damn attractive, if I must say so myself. He is a fine-looking man and and well-spoken gentleman, too. He and I share the same hair color. We call it the pepper. <laughs> pepper. Anyway, so um, Sean and I, when we were at GaryCon, we convinced Hobbs that, hey, um, listener and friend supporter of the show, Corey Wynn had gotten um, – Sent Sean and I this wonderful Greyhawk by Gygax and Kuntz, supplement number one, published by Tactical Study Reviews, for $5 back in the day. It's that uh, old-school digest size. It, I mean, <clears throat> it's the additional rules for fantastic medieval war games. I'll put a link up there. It is a collector's item. It's really, really cool. Um, yeah, so this goes back to your white box, brown box type of thing. And I had this sitting on a stack of stuff. I'm like, we need to have a contest of some kind. We need to give this away to somebody. And then the book of the trash comes out. And I'm like, motherfucker, that's an awesome book too. You know what we need to do, guys? We need to have an old school encounter contest. <clears throat> so I talked to the Hobbs. I talked to the Sean. And uh, we're going to start a contest. It'll start the first week here in May. So when this drops on May 2nd, 2017, you will have until June 3rd of 2017 to get in. We'll... Um, I've got we've got some rules we'll post up. Basically, we want to have it's kind of an OSRE type of approach, first to second level type of encounter. We're gonna have a couple different creatures for you to choose from, and uh, a couple more bits and pieces that'll go into it. We'll have a link in the show notes to uh, where we'll have it on our website. We'll post it up on Google Plus, Facebook, and of course, Hobbs will have it over in his Hobbsosphere as well. <clears throat> so that's a new term, Hobbsosphere. I like it. So, winner gets the Greyhawk Supplement 1, which I have in my hands here, and a PDF copy of the Book of the Trask. And we'll do a runner-up. Runner-up will also get a PDF copy of the Book of the Trask. 
the other thing we want to do is, well, before I go any further, I also want to thank Chris Nizak, the guys at Encoded Design, Misdirected Mark, for uh, helping us out with the book of the Trask and making sure that was something we could give away to folks. So, <laughs> Once again, the Misdirected Mark uh, connection for Gaming BS pays off dividends. Um, we also have... It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. It's going <laughs> to be a contest. It's going to be great. You're going to have. You're gonna love it. And we just lost a whole bunch of people. <laughs> anyway, so what we're going to do then is all the submissions we get, uh, we're going to take them, turn them into a PDF, and any one of our patrons and Hobbs patrons will send the PDF of all the different encounters we get out to everybody. Um, if I'm really lucky and I can twist Mr. Sneezak's arm, I might get him to do a little layout magic for us. But if nothing else, it'll at least be in a PDF form so we can give out there. And Jason Hobbs is putting together a zine for his Hobbs and Friends of the OSR, so we're going to get those slid into his zine as well. I just thought it'd be kind of fun. So, anyway, details um, to be posted up, so when you hear this, rush out to the uh, website, um, the G Pluses, the Facebookage, and uh, all that good stuff. You'll see the you'll see the goodies, and uh, off you go. Starts first week in May, ends June 3rd. So is it an adventure they got to make, or what's Yep, it's an encounter. It's a single, it's an, like, it's an encounter. We're going to have limits on size and so forth, so we don't have somebody with an obscene amount of time. <laughs> you know, right of us, huge, you know, five-page, you know, or five-book diatribe or something. But we're going to look for, like, page, maybe two-page encounter. Should be kind of cool. Like I said, I'll have some more specifics out there for everybody, but just wanted to whet your appetite with a little uh, little hint of cool things coming. So anyway, that's what we got. So we will put that on our website for sure, where you can find it at uh, gamingmbs.com forward slash OSR dash encounter dash contest. It'll be, at the, it'll be at that page. We'll link to that, and everybody can go there and get all the details of what Brett is outlining for that uh, contest and submission into pdf so some writing cred people could get if they want to get yeah if if they would ever wish to say that they wrote something for gaming and bs and hobbs and and, and say that proudly to anybody you could then be able to do that you could yeah. do that <laughs> you know the bar is pretty low but you got to start somewhere yeah that's true yeah you do have to start somewhere all it's right. either it's kind of a, a basement start really for us or a sub sub basement anyway thought it'd be fun so there you go Right. Excellent, Brett. Well, looking forward to all those awesome entries. Awesome, awesome. Are we ready? Random. Yes, random encounter. Random encounter. Random encounter. Segment of the show where we field emails, voicemails, comments from social media. We've got a few from our uh, feedback session zero and a couple other almost kind of uh, suggestive emails, Brett. Ooh. I'm kind of turned on. All right, so, uh, oh, feedback on session zero. So for Alex, he wrote in quite an extensive email. Alex, I condensed it a little bit. Uh, So he he knows this. He's like, hey, you know, I have to write the whole, you read the whole thing. So for for the uh, focus, condensed it a little bit. So go ahead, Brett. No problem. And Alex, if and anybody else, just uh, preamble here. If we do, because sometimes we get a long email, we want to crush it down a little bit. We have the talk with you. Say, hey, cool, Alex. Alex is great. He says we can do that. If I, in reading this, Alex, miss a key point that Sean willy-nilly with his editorial pen destroyed, let us know. And then we can call him on the carpet there. <laughs> All right. Wow. 
Alex says, uh, I think there was an element missing from the Session Zero discussion. It's possible that this was covered previously or is considered a wholly different topic, but I was surprised at your lack of consideration for holding a game for a group of players totally new to tabletop RPGs. Maybe this is Session 0.0. Having just recently got back in the hobby myself at the behest of one such group, I, knowing my players, decided the best thing to do to introduce the hobby and game was to do a rules light session. This would be similar to what other, another listener described as a single person, quote-unquote, presenting a new game to the rest of the group. I think he's uh, referencing VC's discussion. <clears throat> VC Young talked about that. Yeah. He continues, Having familiar, familiarized myself with the rules, I invited my players over for the session, performed all the die rolls myself, rolled about 50% as much as one normally would have, and largely followed the rule of cool when a player asked if they could do something. I designed a session that would highlight the three major aspects of any tabletop game, roleplay, exploration, and combat. I walked the players through the mechanics at each critical point, explaining what I was rolling and why. After the session, I pointed to different areas of the game where more rules would have changed the flavor, briefly explained what and how often I glossed over things, and asked if they'd be interested in continuing with the system. If yes, great, go out and buy rulebooks. If not, also great, no one has wasted any money. To be sure, there are two big drawbacks in in this method. Primarily, uh, experienced hobbyists will not get enough information uh, about their true enjoyment of the system if they're only playing a skimmed-down version. And secondarily, character creation was entirely out of the hands of the players. I, I asked some questions about their desired play style and assigned a class based on their answers and used average stats. Granted, I had them roll their own characters afterwards, but as you mentioned in the episode, character creation can be a crucial method of learning about the system and gauging whether or not you will like it. Anyways, I was just curious if you guys had ever done something like this and whether or not you found it successful. Again, <clears throat> excuse me, apologies if this was already covered. I'm still working through the historical episodes. Uh, I prattled on long enough. Love the podcast, and thank you again for your time and effort. Respectfully, Alex Auerbach. And, uh, Auerbach. Auerbach. Did I say Bach? God damn, I saw an H in there. P.S. Well, this is, here we go. P.S. Sean, you nailed the pronunciation. Few people managed it the first time. Yeah, baby. Uh, once again. Gotcha, Alex. Oh, we're back. Damn, I can't believe I did that. It's so, easy. It's easy to do, I'm it, sure. Absolutely, especially when you're an idiot like me. Hey. Anyway, Alex, so I did do something very similar to that. I mentioned, I believe, my youngest son, AJ, had his 11th birthday. <clears throat> his 11th birthday, he had a party. Four of his buddies were over. He wanted me to run D&D. So I ran a very skimmed-down version of basic D&D for them. Cut, uh, used very simplified spell descriptions. Simple, 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 simple. And um, the couple of them really, really liked it. Some of them loved it and really were kind of interested. Yeah, oh boy, there's more rules. Oh, that would be fun. I, AJ has since talked to a few of them about getting back together over the summer or something to play. And as usual, only a couple are like, yeah, that really sounds fun. I guess I could really get into that. So the idea being is when they come back, I might jump them into something like 5e, a little bit more rules and so on. But <clears throat> similar method to what you did, most of these boys, except for my, honestly, all those boys, except for my son, had never played before. So I had four brand new kids at the table besides AJ. So did something similar there. But I think, I think it's a, I think that's a legit approach. What do you think, Sean? You agree with me, man? Oh yeah, that's not a bad approach at all. I mean, if it's going to work to get your points across and have a, you have a system, system, systemic? Systematic. Wow, vocabulary needs some work. Systematic approach, Alex, which seems pretty straightforward. Um, yeah, I, I would probably do it. It's similar to kind of, it's kind of like playing cards, and you all kind of play a hand of cards all face up. 
kind of deal. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, you're teaching teaching somebody a new card game and going through a few hands and you kind of show them different ways that the game works. Um, I always relate my teaching of card games to Sheep's Head. Uh, does anybody know Sheep's Head out there? Out there? Midwesterners. I suck at that game. Ah, love Sheep's Head. I haven't played in a while. But anyway, Shopscuff. And uh, anyways, but yeah, I could totally see how that would work. I guess he mentioned it being kind of its own session. So I would imagine that you're kind of like, you're keeping all the flavor out of it, more or less getting into the mechanics and then starting the actual game is what I would be interpreting, Alex. But let me know if I'm wrong which is also a good way. I just wonder if some people would just start out the game that way. Like, here, we're going to start the campaign, and this is how it's going to roll. We'll just roll through some things. Maybe it's the first encounter in media res. I don't know. Well, the cool thing is is it, when he says a, kind of a z- session 0.0, it's almost true, right? He's talking about, <coughs> excuse me, addition variation on the theme. Sean and I were talking more specifically, or uh, more traditionally, I should say, about gamers who already know how to game. Like, hey, what do you do with an experience table or at least a semi-experience table? And here we're talking about somebody who, who's brought in to help out a group of people who've never done it before. So that's that's a kind of a neat way to go. It's kind of that whole cards up. You get it? Does it sound like fun? You all want to learn how to play Sheep's Head? Yeah, I really want to try that. Okay, cool. Now let's roll up some real characters and let's really get into it. So that's a good approach. I like that, man. Yeah. Next one is yours, sir. All right, Roger Braslett shares Rick Stump's method of starting his second edition campaign. So this is kind of the Session Zero talk continuing. Uh, So thank you, Roger, for sharing Rick's method. Uh, How I started a second e-campaign. He's got these bulleted. Made sure I had the AD&D second e books, including all skills and powers. Sketched out. All the available classes, including making four custom builds with the skills and powers rules. And then number three, sketched out a world map. Number four, wrote a precise of history. What? Maybe I got that typed wrong. From, no, it's it's it, a it's a term I can ever. Uh, P-R-E. Precis? It's P-R-E-C-I-S. Basically, oh, it's it's a <clears throat> piece of... I can never pronounce that word. I think it's... Precis, precis... Precious, yes. oh my God, of history from the late Paleolithic uh, through current day. Yes, really. <laughs> okay. Uh, dove down and made a regional map about the size of the eastern seaboard of North America. Then sketched out the five largest cities, made a series of political grouping, and wrote up over 120 NPCs, the most prominent of them including family trees back five generations. Wow. Uh, And then sketched out the capital cities of the largest nations outside the main game area, about 40 NPCs each. Wrote the arc for four major campaign-long stories, adding NPCs and magic items for them, too. Then continued to write up a full evil humanoid nation and eight associated tribes, including lairs and loot. Then collanged 20 to 90 words and basic syntax for three in-universe languages. Filled in major trade routes and trade seasons. And then made the first six or so adventures to get a new party to second plus level. 
all before anyone rolled a character. That's a lot of that's a fair amount of dedication. Wow. Right out of the gate. That's pretty cool. That is that is good stuff, but that is not what Sean is gonna do. No, it's not. <laughs> Fuck that shit. Well, the cool thing though is, so let's say. Oh, and by the way, I looked it up. It's a it's a precy. It's a summary or a, it's a precy. It's a summary or abstract of text or speech. That's what it is. Cool. There Look we go. Look at that. We've all kinds of Man, fun with words. We're learning sense. today. Anyway, so <laughs> if Rick if Rick goes at this, and you go this way. And let's say you do session zero, and uh, Sean's like, oh, I wasted my fucking time. Nobody wants to do it. You didn't waste it. You have that world. It's written down. You set it aside. Next time somebody goes, hey, I want to play second edition, I can do that. So what's in here isn't necessarily wasted if it doesn't work or the group doesn't want to go that route, blah, 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 blah. You can always, <clears throat> excuse me, you can always take that and reuse it. I mean, that's just great world building typey stuff. It's cool. Very cool. Yeah, that's good stuff, man. But that is, wow. That is, I guess it depends on where you set the adventure. And, I mean, oof, I don't know, man. I mean, is it important at that point to have your own homebrew? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe you use a campaign setting. It's got all that crap. Maybe, yeah. I just I think know, there's man. no railroad being laid. There's no tracks. There's no engineering. I don't know. Sean can't do this. Just... No, I can... <laughs> the hell is this crap? What is this? You're giving the characters like all kinds of avenues. What the hell? All right. So we had uh, next up is Curtis uh, Takahashi posted a question on G+. He said, okay, Brett and Sean, got a question. When discussing the Tomes of Magic in Call of Cthulhu, is a copy as potent as the original? Certain handwritten copies have their own stats. What about photographic slash zero zero graphic uh, digital copies? Is the information in the actual tome that can uh, is the information or the actual tome that contains the power? If it's just the info, how many copies of the original Necronomicon, Pencotic manuscripts, or De Vermis Mysterious are out there? Thanks in advance. <clears throat> so I answered Curtis on G Plus. I went into a little bit on this. So in short, uh, Ken and Robin actually did a, a bit on this a while back on one of their episodes, <clears throat> and I kind of take a page directly from Lovecraft himself in the do, 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 the horror um, the, uh, the Dunwich Horror when spoiler if you haven't read this book that's been out for fucking ever um, I haven't read it well too bad uh, Wilbur Whateley needs yes. Wilbur Whateley needs to do a thing his copy of the Necronomicon turns out to be incomplete and he's fucked if he doesn't figure this thing out because the horrible thing he's trying to make happen <clears throat> will go even crazier bad if he can't figure this thing out so he scours all the as many libraries as he can, either writing to different libraries across the world or trying to physically go to them <clears throat> to get a copy of the Necronomicon that has what he needs. Something's missing from it. I've usually said that <clears throat> excuse me, the original is where it's at. Any separation from that is all subject to misinterpretations um, and so forth. So another good one to from a another inspirational thing is there's a book about it too, uh, but the the Ninth Gate, it's a Johnny Depp movie. Um, <clears throat> there are these three books, and each one happens to have a clue that the other ones don't have, and he's got to figure it out, put them together, and, oh, my God, now you can summon Satan. So that's kind of handy if that's a thing you want to do. <clears throat> anyway, so short version for me is I looked, I looked directly to Lovecraft and what I pulled out of my different readings of those stories 
And anybody who had a copy or a handwritten text or a slightly different variation on the theme, there's always some inaccuracy. The original is where it's at. And if you were to like throw it up in the digital world, like, hey, there's six, you know, bazillion copies of the Necronomicon now, all floating through um, the internets. Well, guess what? They're not the original though, so they're flawed. They're damaged, and that's a wonderful, uh, even esoteric type of thing. If you go esoteric route, that's a fun modern uh, Delta Greeny type of adventure to go through for a Call of Cthulhu, where you're trying to hunt down whoever keeps punting those damn things out on the internet, or um, a cyber task force that's forced to not forced, but their job is to go out and try to find the sections of the internet where the closest copies are, the most dangerous and most damaging copies could be, would drive people mad and so forth and trying to get those pulled down and so on. Anyway, that's my approach. Sean? I got nothing to contribute to that. <laughs> that's Brett's forte there. Sean's not a Cthulhu guy. I, I, am, I am not as well-versed for sure. Uh, thanks for writing in, Curtis. Absolutely. Good stuff, man. Thank you. Gabe Dibing comments on G+. I went through your feed, and you haven't discussed mass combat. To that, me, these... That's true. Uh, we haven't. We have not. You are absolutely accurate. To me, these rules in an RPG often are as unwieldy as one's typical grappling rules, but you haven't discussed those either, right? Uh, that is true. Not in depth. We talked about um, rules we tend to ignore, like why do we pass by certain ones? We talked about grappling as an example thereof, but we've not gotten into grappling specifically. Correct. Do you have any thoughts on mass combat? Possible show topic? Here's what my own thoughts resulted in. And he has a link that we will put in the LLA show notes, um, which is the tower of the Valkyrie.wordpress.com forward slash date, forward slash mass, simplified mass combat rules. Uh, that, that's a show topic. It's in the list. It excellent. Is, it has been added. It has been added. So, Sean, Gabe. before we get into it, have you done mass combat in your RPGs? Ooh, it has been, uh, ooh, it's been a long time if I have done mass combat. Because you also have to kind of define what mass combat is, Brett. Yeah, that's a good point, you know, <clears throat> and that's that's a very good point. So when we do get to that, we're going to have to hash that out. What's mass combat? Is it basically a a platoon? Is it larger? Is it, you know, battalion-sized? Is it full army? What, what do we got? So, yeah, interesting, though. I like that. I had not, not honestly thought about mass combat in my games. So, <clears throat> yes, that's on the list. Thank Indeed. you, Kim. All right, next up is... Uh, Matt Martinez on G on G plus. He was pondering player facing die rolls. Um, Matt says, "I've been thinking more about the concept of player facing die rolls, mainly in terms of a micro RPG. I want to hack together for occasions where you want to run something impromptu, and can be and can be easy enough for people who've never played an RPG before, tabletop or otherwise. <clears throat> the basic idea is sort of ripped off from Dungeon World. That uses two d six and uses the same scale of success: one to six failure, seven to nine partial, ten to twelve success." Snake Eyes, Catastrophic Failure, Boxcars, Critical Success. <clears throat> Can't remember off the top of my head if Dungeon World uses that rule or not, the critical success and failure he's referring to. Uh, I, don't, do not. I don't believe it did, no. No. Um, where I'm getting a little hung up is how I want to handle combat. I like to use Savage Rolls method of every character, PC and NPC like, having an equal number of wounds they can take. However, that would lead to abandoning the core resolution mechanics so that the target number 
for tougher enemies is higher. <clears throat> also, I know some of my players have found the cycle of whacking away at an enemy without doing damage, but it, uh, uh, but a tedi- is tedious when playing Savage Worlds. Another option would be to instead use hit points, but I'd rather not. <clears throat> I'm just curious if there are any games people can think of in which the target number is static for all systems within the rules, but PCs and NPCs all make this, take the same number of hits. Hmm. I don't know of any off the top of my head, although I think Tim Jensen had mentioned um, World of Dungeons might be an option. I think he did, yes. I'll tell you, and, man, if you, get on, if you get on Google Plus in our community and you have a question like this, summon Tim Jensen by, hey, plus Tim Jensen on it. Do you know anything about there? Because if there is a dude who knows a game that I've either never heard of or have only passing familiarity with, Tim knows them. He really, really knows his shit. Well, and so he did pose that on the Google+, and Tim did talk about it. But I put it out here in case other people may find it of interest and would want to chime in. Good idea. Very good idea. In the show notes, if you can contribute to Matt's kind of dilemma, I don't know of a particular system... Um, that is a target number that is static within the rules, but the PCs and NPCs all take the same number of hits. That may be minions. I'm trying to think of the minions rules. No, it's not going to do it in Star Wars. Something's telling me that I've got a game, an old game somewhere that does this, where I've played it, but I could, I cannot put my finger on it right now. I'm at a loss. I mean, Cypher, you've got the level, so if everybody's mm-hmm. at the same level, the target is relatively the same. I don't know how many hits they would take before they're gone. I don't know. But that may be an option, too. I'm not quite sure. Interesting. Anyways, let us know what you find out, Matt. Absolutely. Gentlemen, thanks again for the excellent podcasting. Pause. I've enjoyed the class. Sorry, I wrote that in. I've enjoyed the class-based player series, especially episode one twenty-eight, fighters, and the hard-to-find episode one thirty B, stay-at-home parent by day, stripper by night. <laughs> maybe we. I don't know if we did. Maybe we did well, that I think one. We might have hint. Did we hint that one? I don't know. Maybe we did. It's a- that's a. <laughs> That's a difficult class to master, so I appreciate the advice so you generously you so generously shared from your own experiences. Glitter removal should be easier from now on. Was that when you were talking about your motorcycle, Brett? <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it was because your wife was <sighs> Susan was talking about the glitter bike. No, stripper bike. I think getting we glitter on getting gl- no, glitter on. I think we were talking. I was talking about the there's a one bike. At the Madison dealership, it looked like a bike that Liberace would ride. It was gold and loud and flecked, and it was just fabulously gorgeous. It was like crazy, crazy, sparkly gold. It was nutsy. My wife does call my bike a stripper bike because of the uh, the pearlescent blue to it. She thinks it's funny. We, I know he's talking. I know we hinted at something like that. Must so have. that's what he's referring to. Yeah. Must have. I, ha- I have an idea for another topic in that series, sort of. My notion is for GMs, not players, through players, might though players might benefit. I'd love an episode on how GMs could run their supreme villain characters. I resist calling them the big bad because that phrase has just become so cliche and it is that very hackneyed storytelling that I hope to avoid. 
even though I usually GM, I am weary of other GMs playing their uber antagonists the same way over and over again. It's that overcooked Hollywood formula, something wicked happens, players investigate, soon enough the villain takes a brief, makes a brief appearance, more investigation and warfare while the villain is behind the scenes. Finally, the horrible baddie is reached and the last combat happens, but the big bad guy has a trick up his sleeve before the end. Uh, the heroes win and someone cracks a joke, fade to black before the credits roll. Look, that's a viable formula, but I'd like to experience something else. What other ways are there for the referee, GM, DM, whatever, to use their chief villains? Maybe something interesting could come out of that. Maybe not. Anyway, thanks for considering. Also, Brett, based on your discussion of Merp, which I love with Dead Games, uh, you might want to check out the One Ring RPG by Cubicle 7. Feels more Tolkien-ass to me than any game before. Cheers, George. Well, George, uh, two things. One, that's a dang good topic idea, so I just put that in the list as well. Got to see how we can fit that into the schedule and how we want to attack it. But I did at one point have a copy of The One Ring, and I read through it and went, wow, this is very Tolkien-esque, and it looks pretty cool. Um, however, I <laughs> I could not convince anyone in my group or groups that they would want to give it a shot. Everybody who I knew that liked playing in Tolkien's Middle Earth um, were all Merp fans. Like, oh, if we're gonna play, if we're gonna play in Middle Earth, I won't play Merp. Okay. Uh, wow. All right then. <laughs> so I had it for a while, and I ended up uh, actually had an opportunity. Somebody else was desperately looking for a copy of it, and I'm like, you know what? It's sitting on my shelf, gathering dust. I'm gonna offload it. So I sold it. Um, that said, though. It pops up periodically on my maybe I shouldn't have sold that memory. So I may go back out and grab it because it does definitely have a very Tolkien-esque feel. Very good stuff. And again, that's a cool uh, that's a cool topic idea. Thank you, George. Yeah. Yes, indeed. My cell phone's about to go dead and Brett's looking at me on it and I gotta like plug it into an outlet. Yes. Otherwise I can't see Sean. It makes me sad. Yeah. All right. Uh, and, of course, plugging it in on a Mac triggers iTunes, which I'm going to have to kill. Oh, man. Anyways, thanks for writing in, George. Next, uh, let's get into the main topic. Yes, sir. All right, Brad, what are we doing this week? So I want to talk about skill lists, the quote-unquote complete list of skills that many game systems have. And um, those games, <coughs> excuse me, those game systems that don't have them. Do we need them? Do we like them? And so on. This was spawned by, I started running DCC and Lamentations of Flame Princess recently for a couple different, My as I've said, my, my home gaming group has a lot of people in it. It's more like a gaming club, really. And it's in, we've got basically two different groups right now. And one I'm running Lamentations for, one I'm running DCC for. I have a couple players in both. And we were talking about it. My buddy Zave and I actually were talking, and he said, you know what's kind of bugging me, Brett? And I said, what's that, Zave? He says, you know, there isn't a list of skills. And I'm like, why does that bother you, man? And he is, he loves Rollmaster. Rollmaster was the game he cut his teeth on, believe it or not. That's the game he's played more than anything else. And he's played 5e, he's played Pathfinder, he's played um, World of Darkness with me. I've played with Dave now for almost 30 years. And I said, you know, <laughs> we haven't played a game system that doesn't have some sort of skill list in a very, very long time. 
Gumju has skill lists. Call of Cthulhu, the basic role-playing system has him. GURPS has skill lists and so forth. And I really, at first, I looked at him and I'm like, well, I don't know how to fix that problem. I'm really not sure what to do with that. Because it doesn't, it really wasn't bothering me that there wasn't a list of skills. And so I took it away and I thought about it more. And I'm like, you know what? I'm on this side of the Game Master screen, right? It's not impacting me because I'm just running NPCs and monsters and such. But what about those poor players, Sean? Those poor players that may or may not need a list. So that's what we're going to talk about. Sweet. So, <clears throat> to my knowledge, um, your your basic D and D, your original D and D, your white box, brown box, Moldavay, um, Holmes, Mensner, There is no skills in those. There are no skills in first edition AD and D until certain Dragon magazines, and then of course the Dungeoneers and the Wilderness Survival Guide, and I think Oriental Adventures had some skills as well. Used to have some background roles. <clears throat> I think Unearth Arcana may have had some of those. Somebody out there is going to remember that stuff off the top of their head better than I am. But it was not a thing that you had lists of skills in AD&D for a very long time. Rollmaster, of course, has had skill lists for fucking ever. And uh, Call of Cthulhu and uh, the BRP system and so on. <clears throat> Excuse me. In short, most OSR-style games that I'm familiar with, Swords and Wizardry... Um, uh, let's see, Osric and so forth. They they just they don't have and Lamentations and Call of Cthulhu. And, uh, excuse me, DCC Lamentations and um, Swords of Wizardry. Blah blah blah. Anyway, many of them don't have big lists of skills. You get your BX game, you don't have all that. So, Sean, have you ever encountered this where you've had either yourself as a player or players in a group where you're playing an OSR style game or any game, honestly, that doesn't have the complete list of skills? or some list of skills that that's been a quandary or a problem. Have you ever encountered that? That that does not list complete set of skills? Yeah, so like you're playing, you know, DCC. When you play DCC, does the fact that there's not a definitive list of skills for you to say, "Oh, I will uh I'll make a search check. Oh, I'll make a you know, um herald I'll, I'll make a history check to see if I know the heraldry of this nation." No, I don't think it bothers me. Not, no. It doesn't bother me. I gotta. I, I'm a little. Uh, it doesn't bother me, but I do understand why there are systems that do have skills. So why do you think they do have skills? Because not every character is created equal. Okay. So, so it's one more how, way to differentiate my thief from your thief. Sure. Yes. Okay. Like you and I, Brett, we have different skills. Yes. And that's okay. Brett could still do what Sean does, but he may not be well versed in that. No, Brett would not excel at Sean's job. I think. Well, I don't. I don't know if you would necessarily not excel. Uh, versus, because. Who knows? Maybe you roll really high, Brett, doing something that I do. But typically, day to day, the chances of me doing project management work well is probably not that great. Will I hit a deadline? Maybe. <laughs> but it's oh. my chances are least like likely than you. Fair enough. Yeah. So I think that's why. That's why I like the current skill list in like. The 5e D&D, because it's not 
Because I think some people that get hung up on skill lists do so because they think that if they do not have the skill, okay, in a game that has skill lists, if you do not have the skill, you cannot do it. Now, that is not true. Most games will allow you to do it. You just aren't going to get a bonus or it's going to be at a minus or what have you. Well, there's a, there's a thing when you look at your character sheet and you see this, like a Call of Cthulhu game, right? Or even a Gumshoe, and you see this pretty sizable list of stuff that you could conceivably do. And you look there and you have no points in firearms. You have no points in drive. You have no points in swim. And you go, oh, can't swim, can't shoot a gun, I can't drive a car. The fuck. Damn, this sucks. When in fact, dun dun dun, the rules themselves are like, look, if you don't have any points in it, you can do it at this disadvantage, you can have a minus or so on. But when you're, especially newer players, and I've even seen um, older, well-seasoned veterans, men and women, looking at character sheets saying, oh yeah, damn, if I have no skill in that, I really can't do that. And someone else across the table goes, anybody can climb a wall, it's not that hard. You just, it's got to be hard for you to climb the wall. But just because you don't have a climbing skill doesn't mean you can't climb a damn wall. Oh, yeah. I guess I could do that. Thanks, Ange. And I could go climb my wall. You know, I think sometimes if the more complete or more specific a list, it has an implication to some players anyway, not everybody, of course, and even some game masters that if you don't, if you're not skilled in it, you can't do it at all, which is, and maybe some game systems are like that, and I'm just not. I'm just not thinking of some, but it's to be that exclusive. Like, look, you can't even use a gun. Don't even know which end to point at somebody. Feels weird. Yeah, I don't think there's a game out there that... I'm trying to think of ones off the top of my head that simply say that if you don't have the skill, you can't do it. The only ones I have seen game systems, and God, I want to say... Pathfinder or one of those said this, that swimming, like, if you look up the swim skill, they're like, look, if you don't know how to do this, y'all can't swim, you're going to drown. <laughs> Trying to pick certain skills to say, this one <clears throat> is either yes or no. You cannot, if you don't know how to swim, you're going to fucking drown if I drop you in the ocean, if you don't know how to swim. Um, and and there's a weird thing that happens then, too, with, with skills and the level of, quote-unquote, realism or whatever you want to define that at in your RPG. And then you'll be like, well, yeah, clearly, if you can't swim, I guess you'll just drown. And then somebody at the table will go, wait a minute, you know, when, when I was a kid, Dad just threw me in the lake, and bam, I figured out how to swim pretty fucking fast because I didn't want to drown, so there's a chance you could at least tread water, right? Um, I, yeah, I don't know how to use a gun accurately, but it's a shotgun. I know how to pick it up and point. I've seen movies. I know how to work a slide on a pump shotgun. I should be able to figure this out. Um, so sometimes the the list of the skills and having points in them give players and game masters also a a thing to bounce against, right? <clears throat> Say, well, you only have one point in it, you're not really good. Or you don't have any points in it, so, yeah, you can figure it out, but you are you obviously need to be at a significant disadvantage because you don't really know how to do it. You know theoretically how to do a thing, but you've never physically done it often enough to have obtained a level of proficiency. You buying what I'm selling or no? I am. And I do agree that it has to do with a level of efficiency, proficiency, expertise. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, I'll tell you, though, there is – Kevin and I were talking about this a couple different times, and I think I think it was Kev Thulu and I were talking – said this, and one of us said, I am so sick of these huge lists of skills. Give me a condensed, simplified skill version – 
And some of that is, you know, again, type of game I like to play. How detailed do I want it? Um, Gerps. <laughs> Gerp, yeah. <laughs> Gerps. Champions. Um, from, from, our, from our buddy, yeah. Steve Jason. Steve Jason Games. God, that guy. Love Steve. Hey, Steve, we love you. Love you, too. Wherever you are. Love you, babe. Love you. Love you. Um, anyway, so <clears throat> I know there's a, there's always a preference. Somebody's like, oh, I like a very intricate system, or I don't, and so forth. But when you don't have, when you have a game system that doesn't have any, right? You've got the the variations on the theme of okay, Pathfinder may seem a little heavy on the skill list. Oh, five E's lighter on the list. Oh, um, GURPS is way heavier. Oh, you know, basic role playing is kind of middle ground, but there's a lot of stuff in there, and so forth. Even a game like uh, the World of Darkness system, it's not intense, but there's lots of different dots in your character sheet with, do I have drive? Do I have melee? Do I have, you know, weapons? Do I have firearms? Do I have library use? Do I have this, that, and the other thing? <clears throat> now, if you take that and the other polar side is there's no list of skills. Uh, DCC, I'll paraphrase, but it's basically like, look, if your background is you were a blacksmith, you were a dwarven blacksmith raised in a certain town, you can do dwarven blacksmith I was raised in a certain town stuff at a certain die level. <clears throat> That's your regular straight D20. So basically, if I can argue with Sean as my judge, say, hey, you know, Jen Brinkman and I are trying to figure out what to do here. Um, she's like, you're, well, you know, as a dwarf, you should be able to sort this out. I'm like, you're right. Sean, I was a dwarven blacksmith. I was raised in, you know, the Iron Hills just outside of Smith Forge. So I should be able to uh, figure out this problem, or at least have a notion of it. Sean goes, you know what? I buy that. Give me a give me a skill roll on that 20 to see if you can do it. Or you want to knock down a door, use your stat, or whatever. Now, if I do say, well, I've never done this before, because I'm a dwarven smith from the Iron Hills, who grew up just outside of Smith Forge, and uh, yeah, I need to row a boat across a raging river. Sean would be like, no, you, you've never rowed a boat. You use a D10, or you use, the die, you use a die chain to, to uh, do something. <clears throat> so the problem or the, the mental click I'm talking about my buddy Zave was, hey, I, there's no skills listed here. And not everybody is very comfortable saying, oh, this is just in my background or making it up off the, on the cu- off the cuff or off the top of their head, pull out of their ass, whatever other euphemism you want, that, hey, I, I have suddenly this bevy of skills I can tap into. So when you have run or been involved in those types of games, Sean, have you, have you encountered other players with that conundrum or do you, or I guess I'm looking for your opinion as well here, obviously. I know. I do. I do find that some people may be thrown off at the fact that there is no predefined skill list, but it doesn't take too many, uh, much time to overcome it. Now, the tricky thing is, is I don't think they have a hard time overcoming it, but because it's not in their face, then they may not realize it. So subconsciously, because it's not a list that doesn't have a number assigned to it, that they may end up forgetting that they can actually do something that isn't listed on their sheet. So when it comes time to climb or whatever in Brett's example – and it doesn't have the climb on there, they may just be like, oh, shit, I, you know, what are you going to do? Well, I, I'm not sure. Well, you know, you, you could just climb up, right? Oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, got it, right. Um, Sure. 
And then if they tie it into their history, like DCC, for example, they can come up with a backstory or profession that they were that had something to do with good climbing. Maybe they were a guide. Um, and you just may have to poke them a little bit. But, you know, preference-wise, uh, you know, I guess we're going to get into that in a bit. But, no, I, every once in a while, but I think players, as long as they, you explain the game and the system, they can typically overcome it is the short answer that's my final answer. That's your final right? answer? Oh, awesome. Bape, you're wrong. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. Ouch, oh, damn it. Again. Son of a bitch, this game. So I thought about this um, with my buddy, Zave. So the... Don't get hung up on it, Zave. No, he's not. So we were, ch- we were chatting about it. He's like, no, I can't get past this. It's just kind of weird. You know, I'm used to a thing. And it dawned on me after we had the conversation the second time, kind of following up on it. I said, you know what you can do, dude? <clears throat> I said, you love to build backgrounds. He said, yeah, I really do. I like to, you know, know where my character's from. And he's one of those guys, much like my buddy Nick and a few other uh, people I game with, they'll write fairly extensive backgrounds that they'll have that don't necessarily have to hit the table. And they don't care about that. It's just stuff that helps them play their character. It's notes, personalities, family, or just a bullet list or a casserole of whatever data they have so that they can call it out whenever they want it so that they don't forget it, to your point. So, excuse me, I said, you know what you could do, man, is just... Write out a list of skills. We've all played games long enough where you could say, you know what, I have climbing, blacksmithing, brewing, swimming, guns, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Write those things. Say, hey, I'm good at this stuff. You know, I am, you know, Jason Bourne, um, super spy guy. Okay, whatever whatever piece or bit of data you need, it's almost like um, like from Rhesus, the Anything RPG by S. John Ross. It's kind of this weird, like, I am, you know... Viking warrior. Okay, if you just that phrase itself, almost peeking back to um, <coughs> the cipher system discussion um, uh, with RC and Troy, where they're like, "Look, you know, you you say, hey, I am this type of person.' Your phrase using that, but anyway, basically, you can make your own list of skills. Just because the game system doesn't have it, does not mean that that's not a thing that you, as the player, can't create to help you play your character better." Yeah, man. True statement. So what I told Zave, I'm like, you know, dude, if this would help you, sit down and say, you know what? Um, My person, his old elf in my Lamentations game or a couple of characters in DCC, I said, if it helps, you know, say, hey, I grew up in Cowlinsport. Um, I'm this person. I know how to farm, do this, do this, do this, do this. Even if it's just a little bullet point list of things that will always trip your memory, it's really good to do that. Again, just because there's not an official list of skills doesn't mean you can't build one of your own and just say, yeah, you know, I hey, I have it here. My character's background indicates that he was raised in this area, you know, Sean, so therefore, you know, I, it makes sense that I would know how to track animals because of all the hunting we did. Oh, all right, cool. Off you go. And sometimes <laughs> if you've written it down, the other thing that does is it not necessarily a level of permanence, but a level of I've always had this. On occasion, you'll run into the players that um, will always conveniently have a background twist that allows them to be really, really good in everything at just the right moment. Um, so this kind of helps to stop that. <laughs> uh, cheating, shortly, uh, I guess, in lack of a better word. Kind of a blunt edge to it. But the other thing that it does is then it gives us this concept of, oh, I've always had this stuff. And again, not everybody, till we talked about learning games and so forth, not everybody is very confident. My buddy Lenny, on the other hand, will just, poof, he'll just make shit up. 
all the time. Yeah, I totally have that in my background. Yeah, that totally fits. And then he remembers all of those things that he said, um, either mentally or he keeps or he tracks just down notes saying, hey, yeah, I mentioned the fact that I'm friends with the cobbler's family. Sketch, 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 friends with cobbler's family. So if and when that ever comes up again, he's got it noted that that's a thing he has. He's fine to make up his background on the fly. I've met other men and women gamers I've been with that don't like doing that. Sean, do you like, what do you like to do? Would you prefer to have a list that way, or do you mind coming up with it on the fly? And if you do come up with it on the fly, two-part question, um, how do you make sure that you don't, that you keep in track of it appropriately? Or do you not care? I'm still thinking about cobbler. It's it's one apple cobbler, peach cobbler, or something. You're just hungry. Cobbler. Sean Sean just ate dinner. He's looking for dessert. I would not write a list, me personally, because you know I just step up to the game, Brett, and I come up with my stuff, man. Because you know I've game mastered Brett, and I have to come up with things on the fly on occasion. And doing that as a player, you know, it's just it's something I do, and it's not that big a deal. Doesn't bother you. You're just that good. Well, you know, I don't know if it's about being good, Brett. No, if, if it's, I think it's comfort level. I think it's just something I do. I think it's it's like inherent. It's just something I, I don't think it It might come with time. You know? If, if this just, was, if I didn't, this was I didn't a, fall off this horse. I didn't fall off this horse yesterday, Brett. If this was a visual medium, you guys would be giggling because he's making an awesome face right now. It's funny as hell. I don't know what you're talking about, buddy. <laughs> I, I wouldn't though. I, I would probably just roll with it, come up with the concept, and and just kind of and say, "Hey, this is what I would do, and uh, this is why." And you know, I think I think tying it into a player character. I think some people, as a game master, you may have to, uh, or you may want to, suggest certain things because not not everybody especially when they're on the spot. Like sometimes role-playing games, if you've ever talked to somebody that could speak a different language and you say, hey, say something in German, and they're like, uh, what do you want me to say? They're put on the spot. It's kind of weird. And the same thing with a role-playing game. They kind of go, hey, just, you know, just think of this. And and they're like, uh, oh, uh, mm, and just bring up some suggestions. Like, well, What's your background? What did you do when you were younger? What was your profession before you became a adventurer? Whatever that is. And eventually it'll kind of tick. I think it'll click in somebody's mind. So I don't I if I if I had a writer's block, then I would probably write it down. Which could happen. That's fair. I'm getting old, man. I might have to write stuff down in like <laughs> next week. That's fair. The other thing I found when you talk about the uh giving hints or whatever, sometimes even as a game master you, you, you to not like corner people per se and say, Hey, you know, you know, uh, you know, Brandon, you don't seem to be able to come up with something. So here, let me give you some specific things to help you, Brandon, get out of this. Sometimes you introduce the scene and the group is kind of looking at it going, God, how do we figure this out? You say, well, does anybody here have like a tracking background? Is anybody in the wilderness much? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my guy grew up on a farm. Would that help? Yeah, that could be helpful. Yeah, that's good. And it's kind of a sourcing the table for background history. Where, again, there's no skills per se. Instead of saying, well, someone give me a perception role or who's got the best tracking or survival skill. When you don't have those types of things, you can say, well, you know, somebody, I, I'm pretty sure most of you characters are from the town. Did anybody grow up in this neighborhood or know anything about the the baker who just died? Was he like a family friend? I mean, some of you guys have you know, own businesses. 
you know, Ange goes, oh, yeah, 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 that's me. Or, you know, Susan says, yeah, that's that's my character, too. And maybe, maybe we both know her from our background. And that granted, there's no skill there, per se, but it's another way to source the table and then just flip it to skills. You know, how would I... <clears throat> I don't know if I would know how to, I, I want to tie a knot. I want to do something with a rope. You say, well, you know, if, if you had anyone in sailor background or uh, even a seamstress knows how to tie knots. Oh, yeah, you know what? I grew, uh, grew up um, and my, my mom, you know, <clears throat> what, you know, was a seamstress. She, she sewed stuff for a living. So, yeah, I, I know how to do that. Okay, great. Just on a bigger scale. Maybe I'm not as good as a sailor, but, hey, this knot will hold. So that's another way when we're sourcing the table for data, you can also, in, in OSR, I'm using that term very loosely here, but in that skillless game, to source for skills by prodding the players with questions about their background, any background that you feel would be applicable. And then it's, I've, I've often been very surprised when somebody would be like, you know what, again, I'm not a sailor, a rope maker, or a thief, but I'm a seamstress. Oh, yeah? Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, we need to repair something. Oh, you know, I, I was a sailmaker. I, I should be able to fix your pants or whatever it is. There's no sewing skill. There's no mending skill per se, but you're just using something from your background to then influence what you're trying to accomplish. So that, again, just another way to pull that out of the group. If people are stymied and don't know initially how to come up with the background that would, or excuse me, how to utilize a quasi nebulous or not listed not written down list of skills and just kind of pull it from the from the table into the event. Yeah. <clears throat> so, Sean, do you have a preference? Do you really do you like one or another? I do like the 5e iteration of skills, which is essentially that there's a list, they're not huge, they're it's not extensive. And you can, there's an ability that is applied to it. And if you're skilled, you get a proficiency bonus. So if you have the skill, because it aligns with your class or your background or whatever that is, then you are going to be a little bit more well-versed in doing that particular thing where you could still do everything else and it ties to your decks or your strength or your wisdom or whatever it is, your ability, which I think is fine, which is good. And it gives you a little bit. It's a little more but, prescriptive version of the old school. Okay. You want to try to do a thing? Give me a dex check to see if you can figure it. Give me a con check. Now I'm saying give right. me a perception check, which is based on your wisdom. And you know, so there's a consistency level there too, where one time I'm trying to get you to perceive something and I is DM say, check, give me your int, give me a whatever, and intelligence, wisdom, or charisma. I don't know. We'll use this one for now. So there's a level of consistency that goes with that, too. Yeah, and still, you even in 5e, you could still use the ability modifier. So give me a strength strength check because you're doing this. Yes. Doing, doing that. You know, it's not listed on your sheet or whatever. You could still, as a game master, dungeon master, call for a check. Use your ability modifier and let it rip. So I do like that. Um, the percentage ones, the GURPS, you know, I guess if it's the game I'm playing, I would I would certainly adapt. It wouldn't be my... I mean, I don't play GURPS every day for a particular reason. And that would probably be one of them. That and the fact that I don't know anybody that's playing GURPS. And I love Steve Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Steve, yes, as he is now known affectionately. 
to me. I'll tell you, I've gotten to a point where my preference has gotten to be the 5e definitive list of skills is about as detailed as I'm liking at this point. The um, uber-detailed lists in like my role master, even my 5th um, or 6th edition in Call of Cthulhu, I have not played the latest edition of Call of Cthulhu or read it, so I don't know <clears throat> what they've changed there. Gumshoe's not too bad. Um, the investigative stuff being... S- uh, a different set of rules versus the um, the generalized skills. Um, they don't seem too heavy-duty to me. They seem thin enough in the right places that I can make it flow. Part of it for me, <coughs> excuse me, is when if there are... Uh, when the skill lists are thin or there's not they're not the uh, as exhaustive, I guess is a better way to put it. When they're not as exhaustive, it's easier for me to just flat remember what the hell they are. Simply because from bouncing from system to system, oh, I want to play this, oh, I want to play that. Um, I don't like having to say, well, <clears throat> give me a spot hidden check. And someone goes, um, I don't have a spot hidden. I'm like, cheat. I'm like, for fuck's sake, it's perception. Just figure it out, you know. And it, it will, when, <laughs> when it's... <laughs> and the smack it comes across exactly. from the table. Bang! You know, a morning shot across the bow. Um, but when the list is smaller, like in 5e and so forth, it's easy to say, oh, you want to try to find something, you can scan it, you can find it quickly. When it's very long, labor-intensive, again, it, it's not like you can't master it. It just takes a little bit longer. That's all. But I, You know, we didn't, we didn't do gumshoe, which is a whole other different thing to skills. Yeah, I mean, well, we've, we have done a gumshoe episode. We're just we have. I just right, but not in this. I didn't get into it's... it right here. I just kind of wanted to talk about kind of the, the two polar ends of it. There's, gotcha. <clears throat> I think what we're both saying is that we're kind of – in the middle, almost. I don't mind. Yeah. I don't mind having none. Like I'm loving DCC and and so on, and not having that definitive list or exhaustive list. But I also do like some meat around that. So I think I might be middle of the road here, man. I, I am a moderate. You're a moderate. I'm a moderate skill user, skill skill approacher. I'm moderately skilled. At- yeah, I don't like to think I'm too far on the left. I don't think I'm too far on the right. You're just all about like- common sense, man. What makes sense? I mean, come on. <laughs> hard could this be really all right yeah that's right so as usual i'm sure sean and i have gotten something wrong or somebody else has a much better perspective than we have so let us know write in give us a call post up tell us what you think i'm uh, i'm curious i mean it, the ideas we threw out about how to quote unquote fix or help players or game masters get through those <clears throat> ones that don't have any we didn't really dig into how do you you know, how do you help people with exhaustive lists? I, sometimes there, there's probably a different perspective, but again, the lens I was coming at was looking at it from the, there are no, there is no skill list here. What can I do? That seemed to be kind of the different angle I want to take here. But anyway, so again, if I'm wrong, somebody come at me, let me know. Oh, look at all kinds of feedback on that <laughs> one. <laughs> wrong about the specific thing. That's all I mean. Die roll, baby. That's uh, two to four miscellaneous points of gaming or geekery. I want to share with you. All right, Brett. I don't. I don't think I have any this week. That's a, I, I, uh, I've done that to you on, on occasion. So between the listeners and I, we'll carry. You've carried me many times, Sean. I'll carry you here. I haven't been on the pluses much, and usually that's a, a grounds. Of, it's a hotbed of coolness. It is. So the first one I found there was a kind of a. I think this is in one of the Google Plus places I found. But a death row inmate uh, eats an entire Bible for their last meal. Yum. Um, so apparently the death row inmate... 
capacity. <laughs> wow. So the picture they show of this individual uh, is like big facial tattoos, big pentagram on his head, just crazy ass looking dude. Like, I like Death Row Inmate. Wow. Okay. I mean, he's like like a Hollywood picked version of that. And apparently he had asked for a Bible and the people thought, oh, he wants to, you know, pray, repent. He's about to die tomorrow. So here. And uh, he tore it into pieces and ate the whole damn thing. So that's a little weird. So, again, the, po- the posts go up like, what ritual was he trying to complete? What's he trying to do with this? Because we're gamers, right? So we're looking at this thing saying, okay, he did a weird thing. He's just a weird motherfucker. But put game put the game flip on it. Oh, my God. What happens when he dies now? He did a thing. Was that the culmination of a finalized ritual? And now we kill him and this other horrible thing occurs. Wow been 30 some years in the making and now finally finally he got it done finally he's gonna eat the bible and die and then all the prophecy will be fulfilled yes have you ever seen you remember the old movie shocker remember that one uh 80s 80s movie i think it was a west craven guy gets electric electric chair and travels through electricity and kills people Uh, a west craven movie from the 80s oh that's crazy anyway uh next up (laughs) bermuda triangle there is a there was a ship that reappeared ninety years later. Wow! Link in the show notes. That's that's the, well, that stuff's just cool. Just one ship. Just one. No, they 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 push them out every couple of years. So what is it? A ghost ship or is it a physical ship or? It's an actual ship. Yeah, it's a big it's a big boat. Well, that's I don't want to get on that thing. It's like ah. a ninety year journey. It'll be fine. I'll, It'll be. I'll fine. Never get where I need to <laughs> in time. Shit, that's not a freaking three hour tour. <laughs> no, it is not. All right, next up, friend of the He's show. Piloting thing. <laughs> next up, uh, friend of the show, Eli Kurtz, has his uh, Blackwood setting that he's been doing for Savage Worlds. We've got a link in the show notes to kind of his uh, little primer that he that he's put out link there. And I believe he's also got a Kickstarter coming up on uh, May 2nd. So when the show drops, I think that'll be out there as well. So Eli's a really good guy. He's been very supportive of the show, giving us a lot of good info and so on. So I figured I'd give him a little shout-out here as well. And voice actor. And voice actor, yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Voice actor. So I don't I don't know what his going rate is, but if you need some voice acting done, I'm sure Eli Eli Kurtz it, would be your and whatever his rates are, Sean will do it at half. <laughs> yeah. Shit. Quarter. Quarter rates. Whatever. Hell, he'll do it for yeah. free. Yeah, bubblegum. Yeah, bubblegum. You got a blats? Two blats. Two blats and a stick hey, of gum. I mean a couple couple beers. All right. Listeners for uh, you. Yeah. Tim Jensen posts an article from Vice, which outlines uh, the Danish school. At this Danish school, LARPing is the future of education. So we know uh, the mongrel is heavily involved with doing some research and the benefits of role-playing games. Here's another example of the Danes. Um, the Danes, all this, the, a lot of the Scandinavian countries, huge on LARPs. Their LARPs are just a, that's like, I mean, there's a book, uh, one of the books that, I forgot the name of the book, something about the guide to Nordic LARPs, something. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's very intense, yep. right? It's very, yeah. But anyways, uh, I'll tell you what, man, it's kind of like skiing out west, Brett. I think if I went to a Scandinavian uh, country and LARPed, I probably wouldn't want to LARP anywhere else. Oh, yeah, it'd be so intense. It's so good. It's like going out to Colorado and skiing the Rockies and then coming back to Wisconsin and going, hey, you want to go skiing? Like, uh, not really. Yeah, maybe if you had a real fucking mountain. 
<laughs> right, right. So anyway, you know what? I don't the, know why the, I this tells me that. though. I don't know why I got into that analogy. But. We got to get um, the last hope LARP. I got to get some of those people on the show. We got. We have to have a LARP episode. We got to talk LARP. Holy guys. cow! I am like LARP ignorant. I've never LARPed. I know. We got to get you educated, man. I am just uh, green. Okay, uh, Brian Kreutzinger. Crew of World War One sub claimed they were attacked by a sea monster. Now, the wreck has been found. Nice. It probably lines up with that Bermuda Triangle ship that freaking 90 years later. It could. You never know. Is it lying correctly? What's 90 years ago? 20, 19, 15? Maybe. I, I suck at math, so yes, they all line up. 98 years. We're gamers, man. Make it work. <laughs> Anyways, uh, check that out for some inspiration. Andy Hall. Tells us about the plan to reawaken cryogenically frozen brains and transplant them into someone else's skull. That just—it <laughs> just sounds—it's just—it's—it's it's an Italian surgeon who audaciously plans to perform the world's first human head transplant within the next ten months, pending you know, pending availability of a donor body. <laughs> pending, <laughs> pending. So if you know I gotta, if you know any I gotta want, <laughs> you know any motherfucker in your office who's brain dead, just get him to sign up because it might be worth a shot. It might be worth a shot. You know, it just occurred to me: where the hell are some of our listeners like like hanging out online <laughs> to find some of this crap? <laughs> just kidding. Andy. We're gamers, man. We find the craziest ass shit. Yeah, Reddit, man. Reddit and Imager or something. I don't know. Good stuff, though. Very good uh, inspiration points this week. Absolutely. Thanks for sharing those with us, everybody. I appreciate it. Brett, what the hell are we talking about next week? Next week, I want to talk about our characters, our PCs building stuff. Castles, keeps, magic items, all sorts of stuff characters build sometimes. I want to talk about that. It's going to build some stuff. Build some stuff. We're getting a carpentry. It's going to turn into an entire show on carpentry. A little self-help. Maybe a podcast or a game. (laughs) (laughs) It's a meta. My player character is going to create a role-playing game. Oh, oh God. (laughs) Holy shit. All right. Well, hey, this is uh, enough of this silliness. Let's get back on track, Brad. Hey, this has been another another game. (laughs) Say good night, Irene. Good night, Irene. All right. This has been... This has been another show of Gaming and BS. I'm one of your host, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all. This episode of Gaming and BS brought to you with the help from the following patrons. Christian Sexy Voice Serrano, Kevin Lovecraft, Joe Swick, Brett's Biggest Fan, Jeff Rademacher, Forrest Gary, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Eric Jefferson, Andy Hall, Sean Nicholson, Tim Jensen, Chris Steele, Knights of the Night Crew, Palladian, Jason Blaylock, Remy Bellado, Jason Hobbs Hobbs, Wayne Hunfleet, James Carpio, Not Caprio, Pure Mongrel, Lord Tentacle, Corey Johnston, Eric Tankar, Brandon Barnes, Mark Tasaka, Brett Pazinski, Tim Shorts, Dan LaValle, C.W. Mellencamp, Victor Wyatt, Craig Huber, Eli Kurtz, Lost Sailor, Graham Miner, Todd McGowan, Roger Bryce at Misdirected Mark Productions, Old School DM, Jason, Christopher Gray, Tabletop Game Talk Podcast, Stefan Dragonspawn, Evan Harrison Cass, Finn Ulf, Ray Otis, Merkel Froelich, Eileen Barnes, Tony Baker, Jared Rosher, Jared Lytle, Todd Crapper, Michael Parker, Jim Fitzpatrick, Michael Drescher, with Static, and Alexander Auerbach. For the cost of a coffee shop coffee, you could support the show for an entire month. 
visit GamingNBS.com forward slash Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Thank you, patrons. Thank you, listeners. This has been a Litterbox Studio production. production.